0: Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist, and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners and a few surprise guests. Well, today, it's not just a few contest winners we're talking to. We have last night's event that we held here at, uh, in Hollywood at the Tagling Complex We have two of our grand prize winners. There were four in total last night, but one was in Australia and one was in the UK and is not able to be here. But today we have the Writers of the Future Volume 37 Grand Prize winner, Barbara Lund. Hi! And we have the Illustrators of the Future Grand Prize winner from Volume 36, N. Lee. Hi, everyone. So uh, this is is really, really exciting, and we've got um, several things I'm very anxious to go over and, and discuss with you. The most obvious thing was, it just happened... Last night, you were the grand prize winners announced uh, at the very end of the event, and um, so let's start with you, Barbara. So, what was that like getting that announcement? What you know, what was going on?
1: I had completely convinced myself that somebody else was going to win the grand prize, and so it was an incredible shock and complete overwhelm.
0: Got it. And,
2: and uh, for me, I um, I came into the announcement of the the winner just convincing myself that it's okay if i don't if i win or not um so because i don't want to get my hopes up too much and be disappointed so i just i was just happy to be there and just kind of take deep breaths and then when my name was called i was like oh my gosh and then i just my, my whole body just started shaking uncontrollably <laughs> and my family was was there as well and they were jumping up and down out of joy and it was just so many emotions just happening. And
0: I. Your mother was the first one out of the
2: seat. She yeah, was up there just jumping up and down. She was. And it was so happy for, for me to see um, her do that because I know how hard she's worked for me. And it's just amazing that she was so happy at the moment. And after that, I was just, you know, in shock still and just struggling my way up to the stage was kind of hard at the moment. And when I got up there, I was. Even, I didn't know what to do. I was just like, oh, should I, should I go talk or like, I, I don't know. I'm still processing all of this. So um, I got up there and I just kind of gather as much words as I could and trying to make it tangible yeah. for the audience. And so, um, yeah, after that,
0: it's still a blur at this moment, but it's You weird. can watch the tape afterwards yeah, and it I was see great. what you said. <laughs> 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 I love your story, Barbara. It was just Sixers, and that's why it's up front in the book, too. So, uh, tell me a bit about that that story because it's it's just obviously it's a grand prize winner. So people are going to want to listen or want will want to uh, read this. So, um, without giving away the whole story, tell me about it and how you came up with that idea.
1: So, almost all of my stories come from dreams. I just wake up and have a story in my head, which is part of why I have to write them down to get them out. And this one was a a dream as well. the concept is what if, or when, in a world where uh, sixth sense becomes scientized, what would happen around that? And then the the story itself is about a, a woman fighting her way across kind of a war torn area to get to her son.
0: Yeah. So, how far in the future is that? Not not very far. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that, and that's that's scary. So, um, yeah, because it was in, it was intense. Yeah yeah it was that was really really intense the um now you have a lot of sense of um obviously reading the, the all these different personalities you really have these these different six these senses that they have you got the ones that are the, that have a little bit of everything and then you have the very specific things you know so a little bit about that um
1: so kind of like any of the other sixth sense or magic type things, only this one's supposedly backed by science, right? Uh-huh. Kind of an X-Men flavor yeah. of what you could do, and but it's provable. There's machines that can record it and measure, and then training and things like that.
0: I get it. And then um, your sense of forensics was pretty uh, was pretty in, intense in there, and you know what you're able to do and and some of the different battle scenes that were happening and what was happening to her as she was going through her... Um, I mean, she would go into... What was the martial art that she did? Tai Chi. Tai Chi. So is that something you do yourself already? I do. Okay. Because there's always... When you get something that's that exacting as to what's going on, usually the author is like, okay, I've got some sense of what it is. And it's not something you just read in a book.
1: Yeah. Yeah, or, I've done it or a long time. It or,
0: or Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Now, and I talked to you about it when we did the, I think when we talked on the uh, the big reveal. But your sense of color is just amazing. Now, um, is this something because you're from Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Is that a, something that's that you brought with you from? Is that a, a cultural thing? Those types of colors because it's definitely not something that I see around here in America.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it is definitely um, from my culture because. Um, when I was a kid, I some of my most fond memories were um, celebrations for festivals like um, Lunar New Year or other festivals that we have in Vietnam. And during those festivals, there were tons of vibrant colors everywhere on the street you see. And as a kid, I um, actually before I started drawing, I was I was coloring. I, I loved to color. And I think my sense of wonder with color as a kid just kind of hooked onto those colors at the festivals. And um, when I came to the, um, to the US, I think I brought some of that with me as well as along my journey to becoming an illustrator where I am today, I am um, always continually looking at new colors and new materials and just um, new ways to combine colors in a way that's very um, catching to the eye and very um, interesting to look at. So I think it's definitely a mix of where I came from, from Vietnam And as I continue to grow, that kind of develops more and more on top of that foundation.
0: I mean, it's just, I'm looking at it right now in the book in volume 36, Stolen Sky that you illustrated. And now you're going to school in uh, Missouri or Kansas City?
2: Yeah,
0: I um, recently
2: graduated from the Kansas City Art Institute. Um, It's been over a year now. Okay.
0: And because that's where you were attending when you when you submitted this or when mm-hmm. when you won the contest, yeah so i mean what's what's the medium that you that you've done this with? is this photoshop or is this is this um
2: yeah photo? the the
0: medium that
2: I um, mainly use is photoshop digital painting um, I started out as an artist doing a lot of traditional stuff, but i descri- i um, discovered um digital painting when I was about a sophomore in high school, and just something about um being able to have so much exploration and so much possibilities on the computer that really intrigued me. And um, playing with colors on the computers also, um, it's its very fun because it's super easy to just exchange colors very quickly, like back and forth to see which one kind of um, fits really well with another. And so digital just makes it so easy for me to explore color choices and explore different styles. So I've stick with the it ever, son- ever since. And so this was,
0: Um, that medium that I used to create the piece. I mean, your colors, there are so many colors in here. Mm -hmm. And I could imagine if this was something done as oil, it wouldn't wouldn't even be acrylic, but how you have to make a change, you know, a universal change in the image because your your colors are permeate throughout,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. you know, so that's amazing. So in terms of uh, Photoshop then, because uh, a lot of people listening to this will, okay, so Photoshop. So any particular um, type of palettes that you use? I know that Craig Elliott was just posting some stuff recently. He's one of our judges mm-hmm. um, about the, uh, to make it look like oil painting, you know, using Photoshop to make it look oil. Is any particular thing or are you just kind of like whatever suits you? On um, So I do experiment with Photoshop a lot um, in
2: trying to both get sometimes the traditional feel, which is imitating the, the oil painting feel. And sometimes I just kind of <clears throat> embrace the digital aspect of it, making everything kind of very rendered out and very smooth. Um, but with this particular piece, I think um, I wanted to just um, render it out and instead of using texture and um, brush strokes, um, i I wanted to focus on the form and the designs of the characters mm-hmm. and the colors, um because I think if I added texture on top of it, it would be too much there's already so there's much there, there. there's already so much design and colors and form and just organic movement there that I wanted to just make it very clear and smooth out for the viewer to see what's going on
0: I get it yeah and then Barbara, now on on sixers the um i mean the story is 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 it, is it in Utah where it takes place, or is it just in any town, USA that's just been whacked by this super gnarly bombs? These smart bombs that go in.
1: Yeah, any town, USA.
0: But it's USA,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yes. And on, um, I'm looking at, you know, at this right now, and the um, you've been it says on Barbara Lund's novel, Speaker for the People, one second place in the science fiction fantasy category of the 2015 Zebulon contest sponsored by Pikes Peak Writers. The novel has since remained and published as Space Lies Syndicate. Since then, she has won three silver honorable mentions and two honorable mentions. She has five indie published novels and dozens of short stories and has been traditionally published in daily science fiction. At a husband, two kids, a dog, and a martial arts obsession, and she keeps pretty busy. So, how long have you been working your muse of, of writing?
1: Really, right about 2014, just before um, that well 2013, probably just before that that win um, encouraged me to keep going. Uh-huh.
0: so now as a, like what triggered you to become a writer?
1: I wrote when I was younger, and then I got a real job, (laughs) and unfortunately that kept me a little busy. Um, But I had some time off work and it just had a couple months where I had things to do, and that was one of the things that came back as something important to to work through what was going on, and it really helped. And I also have a beautiful garden because of it, so.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So, on... Yourself now, So you've got novels and short stories. So what is your plan um, as an author for the future?
1: I would love to be a hybrid author where I've got, I can still continue to, to uh, publish, publish on the indie side the short stories and the novels that I would like to take indie, and then I would love to have some more traditional sales as well, both uh, novels and short stories with the, the magazines and the big houses. I'd love a big five.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course.
1: Four, big four now. Now it is
0: four, <laughs> yes. But you also have some, some pretty decent uh, indies. You know, we had um, the publisher of Bain Books last night, which uh, it was really exciting to be able to bring. I mean, what we try to do now is bring um, publishers, editors, um, art directors, different people to come in who can either lend a helping hand or um, introduce to some of their contacts or be directly interested in in working with you. What's it been like in with um, those who have been teaching the workshops? You've got Echo Chernick, Mm -hmm. who's just... amazing, yeah. Yeah, she's so diversified in everything she can do, and there's not something she hasn't touched upon and worked in, in art, in the field of uh, design, arts. Mm -hmm. She definitely knows the business side of it. So what's it been like this week for you?
2: This week, I thought it was super helpful, and... It was very, it was very cool to see different artists with different styles and different journeys come and talk about how they've done their career as an illustrator and uh, where their path is le- um, leading. Because we did have Echo, who is a master of everything. She does conventions, books, cards, like everything, and we had. Um, Echo talk about how to brand ourselves and how to put ourselves out there as Ill- illustrators, but also how to deal with clients in a way that is um, reputable and it will get you more work in the future, which is um, very important um, as an illustrator to get returning clients wanting to get more of your amazing work. And we had Echo's husband, Lazarus, who helped us a lot about um, how you look at a portfolio as a way to sell yourself, how to compose in a way that's very, um, that makes sense for the viewer and for the client to look at, and they would want to hire you after about like the, the first 15 seconds. And that was very helpful for me because portfolio is, oh, I think, something that a lot of artists struggle with mm-hmm. and a, something that's very hard to put together and, um, his talk was just very clear and direct and in a way that would help a lot of illustrators out there. And, um, we also have, um, other artists who came and was very technical and they talked about their process and how they do things and just try to teach all of us new ways to create illustration and new ways to look at, um, illustrations as a way to, um, create designs in composition and value that's interesting and very um, um, direct to the viewer to tell the story. And mm-hmm. one of them, my one of my favorite favorite was um, Dan De DeSant- Santos, and his his speak on value and how to arrange it in a way that it's almost like composing music. It was like he had all these rules and all these ways of how to put an image together that would be very harmonious, but yet very um, um, powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved his talk on that. And I think that would definitely um, improve my work moving forward. Um, and we had B Jackson as well. She is an amazing children's book um, illustrator. And I, um, I'm actually currently working on, on a children's book right now. And so her talk on how to um, fasten up some process and how to do things in a way that makes it very quick and very um, efficient. And I thought that was super helpful to me. And we just also had, uh, there's like so many other artists, amazing come, you know, and it's just so cool to see their journey because you're like, ooh, maybe I can do that or I can do this or I can do that. There's so many choices for you a, as an illustrator to just get out there and um, just everyone has their own path. Mm-hmm. So I think probably the best way is just to choose one that your gut is feeling it would be best for you and um, just go from there and just trusting yourself. And I think the workshops really um, provide us with so many pathways to continue on as illustrators. That's great.
0: So now, Barbara, you've had, throughout the week, you've got, obviously, uh, Tim Powers and Dave Farland did the primary workshopping, but then there are so many others as well. So briefly describe, or not briefly, just describe what the week has been like for yourself.
1: Absolutely incredible to meet some of the people in the field that. I grew up reading and are my heroes. And just to have them be so personable and so kind and so ready to help us has been amazing. I loved meeting the people in the classes. I loved meeting them after the classes and doing some BarCon connections. <laughs> um, yeah, incredible teachers, so kind and so generous with their time and, and willing to help us out.
0: Yeah, it was, um, it was in Volume 3 where Dave Wolverton... Uh, won the, the Writers of Future competition. He was a grand prize winner then. And he's been, a, he's been a judge for, I don't know, 30 plus years or so, Tim Powers, 35 years. So for them, I mean, I just know because they're good friends, it's, this is pretty much like the highlight of the year for them to be able to do that and meet the new writers and, and to welcome, and the illustrators as well, to welcome you into the fold of professional. And like when you come and do the the workshop on either side, it's assumed you can create art. It's assumed you know how to write. Obviously you wouldn't have won had you not been able to, but now it gets into the business of writing, the business of art, um, how to be able to explore different things. And like like you're talking about in their career, their own personal journeys. And you you got Craig Elliott does one way, Tom Wood another way, and how like how Tom Wood got into professional art and how he evolved, you know, some of these people, they're just, at least these judges here are, they live, you know, art for them. It's, you know, that they just think everything like that. And it's, um, I mean, Tom Wood talks about, how was just, as a little kid, he's, that's, he loved mm-hmm. doing, you know, doodling and stuff like that. And even when they re- redecorated his his house when he was a kid they didn't do anything with his room because it already had all the drawings on the walls and things stuck on there. This is his his illustrations and stuff as he was he was working on. So you're talking about your heroes. Anybody in particular that you were like
1: fangirl on that you are like, whoa? Oh, Jody Lynn Nye, absolutely, <laughs> and Todd McCaffrey. I, there's so many. I, Larry Niven is the nicest guy ever. Mm-hmm. I, there's just some, you know, all the people I grew up reading are here and that's amazing to me
0: absolutely and then in terms of of illustration i know in you know in writing in in books you know you know okay this is tim powers on stranger tides and here's dave wolverton on courtship of princess leia but on on book covers and on art illustration it's not so common that someone know oh yeah oh yeah that's a dan dos santos Oh yeah, that was, you know, this, illust- this all this art design, these, this creative that was done for Netflix for Disney. Oh yeah, that's Craig Elliott. Mm-hmm. You know, so is there anybody there particularly that you had that you fanboyed on? Um,
2: I think I forgot to mention him earlier, but Craig Elliott definitely because he does he did so much amazing work for movies that I. Um, loved growing up, like Treasure Planet and Hercules. Just his way of designing architecture and landscapes in a way that's um, very whimsical yet very convincing to the viewer. And um, I I love the way he used shape language. And he had his talk on how to um, view your designs as a as a way to like just abstractify like random shapes. And as you see objects in the real world you don't see them as objects, you just see them as shapes. And you combine them together um, in your in your head when you design these things. And I just found it so interesting that he viewed the world like that when he does his designs um, because I, myself, as, as an illustrator, love the concepts of um, c- focusing on colors and shapes and combining in a way that um, can still result in a very um, interesting design and result in a way that when colors are put together, just makes um, a really cool con- relationship between the two, and just wh- when I was just looking through all his work and he was just showing this to us, I was just like, "Holy cow! He did a lot. He did a lot of work, and they're all so amazing." And I I was just so inspired, and um, I I think Craig Elliott was definitely my my uh, my. My 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 hero during that <laughs> workshop, honestly, um,
0: yeah, that's great. So, it's just a point that um, at the end of the of the event last night, there was that Owen Hubbard quote about the artist, and they're they're cut above a regular man. They're they're cu- they're cut above. You know, they're they're very special uh, beings that can create art, whether it's writing or illustration. So, throughout the workshop, um, I know there's various things that were gone over um, by Owen Hubbard on the subject of writing and um, on illustration and art. Anything particular for you, Barbara, that was the most profound or helpful for you on, whether it's from the online writing workshop or anything else that was, that was um, pointed out when Maliba introduced the, the, the movie or um, when I did the briefing on, on things that stood out for you that you find very helpful?
1: For me, the biggest concept is the pay it forward. Just the whole concept of building this contest and having the authors and having the winners come back as judges and having the judges go forward. That pay it forward to me is huge because this is a writing community. I can never write enough to keep a reader satisfied. Just me. I need to have all of my fellow absolutely amazing winners writing as well so that we can all... Um, be able to create enough work for people to read, and then I look forward to someday being one of those judges and being able to help another author, up and coming author, become a pro as well.
0: Mm-hmm. What about yourself? And any particular um, advice or you know things from Mister Hubbard that I've, I know Echo goes over stuff, but mm-hmm. anything in particular that that for you really resounded?
2: Um, I think mine was can be also similar to what um Barbara said because I I think that as illustrators you constantly are inspired by other artists' work and you kind of just study it and look at it in a way that would influence your work and see where you progress as artists so I think definitely building a community um, of artists just to be able to um trade ideas trade concepts um just Um, giving another eye to another artist's work is super helpful because seeing it from another perspective, it's always a good way to improve your art and um, improve what you're making. But I think I was also inspired by uh, that clip of um, L. Ron Hubbard saying that a solid routine doesn't always work. And um, I think that definitely applies to me because there are those days when I was... I'm very inspired. I can come up with so many different concepts, but there's those days when I sit down and it's just it's just nothing. There's nothing that comes out. You just you're just dry on creativity. So I think to seeing um, how he says that, I think you just need to to make it to to make art whenever you you are feeling inspired. It doesn't have it doesn't have to be a routine. You don't have to just have, nine to five. No, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> Um, creatively because it the the brain works differently. Yeah. Um and I I'm I'm very inspired by what he said and I'll probably um take that and adjust my schedule um as a freelance illustrator because I am running into some of the some of the problems. Um yeah. because you do want a, a solid routine just to just to say that, you know, I, I I got a schedule going on. But then if you do that then it's gonna um affect your creativity level a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was other times when he wrote and he, he just talked about how, you know, he would, for him, mostly it was, it was a writer. And sometimes he could go throughout not even realize, not eat, not anything. It's just, he was so much into, you know, creating, creating the story mm-hmm. when he wrote battlefield earth, 425,000 words, he wrote that in like eight months and um, mission earth, same amount of time, 1.2 million words. So when he got into create, it was just like, the other thing about time you know it's like how do you have time for that it's just you become at that point cause overtime you know right. to be able to do what you need to do and these judges that you're working with on both sides but you see it, it's a little bit more visible on the art side where you can start with a blank page and end up with this amazingly beautiful you know image mm-hmm. um and these are the judges that are able to do that so on um well, one thing too is like uh, um, B, who was a grand prize winner in volume 24, she was, you know, she said the thing that really impressed her the most is that, that she learned and still remembers um, this many years later, 13 years later, is that art is the quality of communication. So for her, and you really see it in, in her art, like in Parker looks up that book that she did for um, um, the First Lady, mm-hmm. and just that quality of communication is just you know what's happening it's very very real and illustration is different than than um fine art so is your direction that you're trying to go is it, is it more the illustration because like what you've got here this mm-hmm. this is definitely illustration what yeah. you did there
2: no for me my def- my path is definitely illustration because um i i love being a problem solver and i love being a creative so i think illustration combines both because you're able to solve a creative problem that the client comes to you with and they want you to make an image that will um, resemble the, the spirit of this story. And it's very fun to just come up with concepts that are able to solve what they're looking for. And, um, I'm definitely, um, very into, um, also creating, um, solutions for any design, um, that, the client would want for any film or any animation, like if they have an idea of a certain city landscape, but they don't really know how to de- describe it in words or describe it in a, vi- in a way that's going to be visually effective to the viewer, I'll be there to help them, guide them through the process and help them come up with a solution visually that would um, work for what they want.
0: So yeah. definitely illustration is the way that I'm headed. Got it. Now one thing too, Dan sandos talks about when he does his sketches Mm -hmm. i put my my finger quotes around that they look like they're almost final you know so and he talked about why you gotta do that because anything that's not fully established in the sketch can be a gray zone that can result in endless additional back and forth with the client so he tries to take it as you know he talks about what half a dozen or whatever it is number of sketches he'll do that takes it to where He knows what it is and it's it's not those gray zones that once you're proceeding the thing like oh no how do i execute that because it was never fully thought through i found that i'm not an artist Mm -hmm. but to me that was amazing that he went through all that effort almost to the point of not final but it just seemed like this side of it you know to be able to show something to the clients so they can then okay yeah i like that one but then he knows he can actually execute that
2: right um,
0: yeah, I think his way of working is um, definitely very clear and effective
2: for a, a client. Um, I do that as well, um, but sometimes I also like doing a bunch of loose sketches first um, because it. I think anything to convey an idea across really quickly, it's also effective for a uh-huh. client at first because maybe you could propose an idea that they really like and the sketch might be not very clear, but they really love the idea, and so you can take that and um, refine it a, a little bit more, and then show them another sketch of that version, and then that would really help as well. But yeah, his way of working Dan, Dan's way of working, is just very, very um, impressive because those sketches look very um, refined already. I know. And it's just really cool to see how different artists have different ways of working. And um, I, I, I think that um, I'll definitely take some of that with me moving along yeah. when working with bigger clients.
0: That's great. Now, Barbara, um, one of the things that's sometimes it's really funny, but all the different judges, you know, when they start talking, you know, it's, you definitely see it with, uh, with Tim and Dave you know, one's going, okay, they'll say, okay, you got to do it like this and this and this, and the next one goes, no, 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 you don't. You go this, this, and this. What was it like, um, you know, w- with, the, with the various speakers talking about different do's and don'ts, but those do's and don'ts quite frequently will, will conflict with each other, but yet they've all got successful careers and are doing it right. How's that, you know? Because it's not like this is how you write a story that you get from writers of the future.
1: I actually love to watch them argue. That is probably my favorite part because uh, just like in art, there's so many different ways to do it. Nobody's going to have the same career. I'm not going to have Dave Farland's career. I'm not going to have Larry Niven's career or Jody Lynn Nye's career. I have to build my own career. But seeing them argue gives me ideas and gives me a, a direction to go and things to try so that I can build it my way.
0: Right. Now, when you've got like um, when Kevin and Rebecca do their their uh, whole hour and a half or so on the business of writing, so the, this workshop—have you attended workshops before, writing workshops? Yes. Yeah. So, how is this this one with Rise of the Future different?
1: Um, there is that premise of being able to write, which is awesome because some of the workshops are, especially at conferences have a much broader they want you know as many attendees as possible and they want to apply to as many attendees as possible so they have a much broader assumption of starting at the beginning for a lot of their classes so it was super nice to start more toward the middle or the end because I don't need beginning stuff on how to construct a sentence anymore <laughs> so that was great <laughs> This a is, noun and a verb yes <laughs> this is pretty immersive and some higher higher level stuff, which is great being able to ask questions that are hard instead of asking the the more simple ones um, for me i I know how to start a story um, but I don't always know how to get my middle and so it was helpful to I always have an end as well. I always have a start and an end, but I don't always have a middle so it was great to. Listen to all the different arguments and pick out the things that I need to amp up my career and go forward.
0: That's great. Now, one thing too that is probably one of the most well-known aspects, and for some people, it's the it's the terror part of the workshop is a 24-hour story. Because none, none of these people, at least I know, anybody has has ever written a story in 24 hours you know, by the time they come there for the workshop.
1: What was that like for you? Oh, I love that. I, that's actually how I work, uh, especially for short stories. Um, if it's a little, like a thousand word, I can do that in an hour. If it's a couple thousand words, I can do that in a day. If it's a little longer, eight to ten thousand, maybe it'll take me a week. And then I'll go back and polish it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I write pretty clean, so I don't have a ton of grammatical things to fix. It's more of where did I confuse someone or... What can I polish to make better? What can I cut? So yeah, 24 hours is great. I love that.
0: Well, that's great. And then with with the um with the stories themselves, um do you have a particular time of day that you're writing? Or like, you know, you know, schedule, you know, I know you're talking about routine, but some people who have a day job as well need to be able to fit in how to do it. You've we've got winners who've got rather large families, and they've got to take care of their children. How have you been
1: able to to fit in your writing? Oh, yeah, I'm a mess. I'm all over the place, (laughs) Um, especially with doing Tai Chi as well. So I'll work a full job. Some nights I go to Tai Chi. Some nights I come home and parent. And uh, sometimes parenting is giving the the 15-year-old a lot of attention and then having her go watch TV with Dad so that I can write some things. I do a lot more on the weekend than I do during the week. Uh, and it's just whenever I can fit it in, if morning, afternoon, night.
0: And your family supports you, though. They're, they like to cut you some slack so you can do that Yeah, they're sometimes. awesome.
1: <laughs> they're awesome.
0: But, um, yeah, that, that's a, a common, th- you know, dilemma that some people, aspiring writers, have. But how much of that is an actual, and also for art, too, um, how much of it is a pretended problem Versus a real problem on getting time to write or to do one's art.
1: So for me, I just don't watch TV a lot. Um, Sometimes a a cool series will come up and I'll binge it, honestly. But uh, mostly I don't watch TV. A lot of times I've actually sat the kids down next to me while I write so that they can feel like I'm there. And I am there for them, but I can get some words in Uh, It's if... If I don't make the time to write, it doesn't happen. And so that comes before TV. It comes before reading as much as I used to. Uh, it comes before sleep sometimes.
0: So I think that's a key part on on both of your parts then is time doesn't come to you. You have to make the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, so for me, I, I, I'm a f- currently a full-time freelance illustrator. So I... Try to have a routine, but sometimes that goes awry because, like I said, creativity doesn't can't be con- controlled like that. Yeah. S- try my best to just stick to um, cut my day in half um, basically. So I be very creative for four to five hours, and then I would take like a three or four hour um, break to do errands or anything like that, and then I would come back and work the rest of the night. And I found that's really helpful because. I guess in in the in the morning my my brain doesn't work well creative to, <laughs> create creatively um, so what I do is I do a lot of my um, like when you're rendering a character or you're painting a character you know, you're looking at reference and you're just painting like their um, fingers or clothes or anything like that and that doesn't really require a lot of creativity that just requires technical skills mm-hmm. and I, so I do that in the in the morning and then at night that's when my creativity creativity work, um, kicks in. So that's when I, um, do sketches, come up with concepts, do all these, um, like development for my, um, problem solving for, with my illustration clients. And I find that to be really helpful to me because uh, I think it's important, important to, um, reflect upon yourself and know when you should do what, when you should be creative or when you should just like do, um, rendering. Um, because, um, that will really help smooth up your process um but when when i 'm not illustrating uh i have when i have some free time i um i notice that i i can 't sit down and just like watch t v because i've been sitting down all week to 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 make art um i want to do something active and get out more but the um, like like um barbara said just i think sometimes it it does hard it it, it is hard to find time to to put a lot of creativity into, your, to, into my work because sometimes you're just not as motivated about something mm-hmm. um, or you just don't have the time to put in the creativity because life does come up um, as well. And I, I just try my best. I think that's one of the best thing about being a freelancer is having that flexibility to um, work your own hours and just move things around as you go.
1: That sounds amazing. Yeah.
2: It's, I think it's definitely one of the perks. My, my family has always told me, maybe you, I think you need a corporate job. You have to like be like nine to five, be, be with the company. But, in, but then I think of it in a way that like, but if I do that, I think I won't be as productive um, with my creativity. It would just be very kind of um, restricting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think freelancing is definitely the way, the way to go for me personally.
0: But there's also a lot of self-motivation to make yeah. Freelancing work because to be a freelance, you've got to be highly motivated, you've got to be very much determined, and have a skill set that can actually see you through. But um that's the I don't want to call it value or not, but that's one of the things about working the corporate line is that you've got your bases covered, you've got your insurance, you've got your guaranteed paycheck, as long as the corporation is still doing its thing (laughs) yeah and you know so some people will definitely a lot of people will see that there's a lot of security in that not having to worry about those things but then the trade-offs that you're talking about there so Mm -hmm. i've seen that with you know with other professional illustrators who are you know they've got through like tom wood you know he said he did the corporate thing and you know experience getting boned and just like nope, I'm gonna be my own boss, I'm gonna do it, and he's been quite successful with it right you know so on your on your writing now, Barbara, so you've got novels that you're that you've done in in short stories, what do you see as your future now with writing that's going to be you know like are you gonna do series novels or are you just are you gonna have you know, Sixers is now going to turn in. I mean, that could be an obvious. You know, it was it's a great story, but I that's only a thing of yours I've read. So I don't know what else you've have done. If that's if that's a one-off type thing, or if that's now sparking something else, or what's what's your future in writing?
1: So I actually have three novels in the process right now. I have one I'm doing a final edit on before I indie publish it. I have one out for submission, and then I have one I need to finish writing and um, a couple of short stories, including the 24-hour one I need to submit to magazines. Yeah. My ongoing goal is to actually up my production so that I can do more than one novel about a year, about nine months to a year. Uh, I would love to be able to do two or three a year, um, but I can also tell with work when I'm really stressed, mm-hmm. uh, that's a lot harder. So it's I, I have to work through that, right, to figure out what I can do to up my, my production and enjoy life at the same time.
0: I get it. Now, does writing, is that also a a source or a resource for you to, like, chill and and to download some of the stress and strains of of life so it becomes also your own self-imposed therapy to the struggles and and whatnot of life?
1: Absolutely. I may have killed off some enemies (laughs) figuratively (laughs) in a novel or two.
0: (laughs) Yes, kill your darlings, <laughs> or not so darlings. And then is that also for yourself? And is that being able to do the art and illustration? Does some of it also? Are you able to like download some of your frustrations through your art, or is that where you go out and take your walk and just keep um, on walking until? <laughs> <coughs> I think
2: yeah no my what I do with my frustration is I, I yeah I get, get out of the office and usually I I go for like. A, Thirty minutes to like an hour walk, and during that walk, I I it helps me just like solves a lot of my solutions uh, that I, my problems um, as an illustrator because you you come up with really cool solutions on your walk because it's very relaxing and you just kind of breathe and think about what you need to do, what step you need to take. But I think definitely getting out of the office, just be in a completely different space, um, just be with like um, I think nature for me really mm-hmm. helps because it's. It's completely different from from a interior um, house or interior rooms, because nature is just like it was. It's just very organic. It's very refreshing. Sure. It's very refreshing, and it's completely different. So you, it puts your it puts your mind in a completely different environment, and you're just open to like much many more things um, than when you're just sitting there in your room trying to think of a solution. Um, so I think that's definitely important when you're freelancing is to have a a space where you can go and so you can take a break or you can come with come up with like new different solutions right
0: now you made a comment last night when i was talking with you after the uh after the awards event and we on the at the signing time you talked about your mother you Mm -hmm. know and what was the best part of the night for you was like seeing your mother so happy Mm -hmm. so you came from Vietnam, you transitioned here, and you mentioned that it was for them, they did it for you. So what was the scene there in Vietnam that they felt so compelled to want to come here and, and give you that that um, ability to explore your art? Um, so I think
2: in Vietnam, my family was, I think, struggling a little bit. And they know it, how hard it is um, just to be able to really... Make your dreams come true because there are some restraints, and they they just wanted to come to the u s because at that time, my uncle was also in the u s already, and they they 've heard so many amazing things about the country and so many um, doors that open and some and hear about all the amazing things that people have done over here, and um I think they just want what 's best for me mm-hmm. and at that at the time, I think they um see moving here as the best choice because it just opens more doors. And they um, just wanted me to come over as well and just have a better chance at achieving my dreams. Um, and I, whenever I think of it, I just think of all the things that we've been through, like coming here, my all three of us know, not knowing any English, not knowing how to even um, interact with the people here because culturally it's very different. Um and so I just think about all of the things we've been through and just um when my name was called and and I my mom was just jumping and coming down and I was and she was like, So this is all the hard work that I've done and this is so worth it to just just to support you and this is where it leads. So I am I am willing to do to do the hard work if it w- it would make you be successful and, and, and um live your life like this. And so just hearing her her say her say that and I just got very emotional sure. as well, of course, um, and
0: so she had half a dozen family members. Yeah,
2: she, um, she have, um, I think half of her siblings it's over here in the U.S., but it's spread out over the, all over the U.S. Um, um, but and then half of the family is back in Vietnam. So she's she basically left half of her family in Vietnam, and um, we rarely see each other those that live in the U.S. because we're all in different states Mm -hmm. as well. So for her to leave her whole family behind and move to a small rural town in Missouri was very difficult um, because there's no um, Vietnamese community, there's no Asian community. Um, It was just her working um, in a completely different environment than she's never been. And she has said many times that um, she, she... she doesn't feel like she has many um, options for like fun or anything to anything like that's entertainment for her in that town. But she does it for me. She continuously work hard just for me to have a future, and she's ingrained that in me. And I just become so grateful. Anything that makes her happy just makes me so happy. So
0: that's why that was my favorite part of the event. Yeah, that was it. Was amazing just seeing her. Your- she was up before you,
2: yeah, she was because I, at that point, I was still shocked in my chair. <laughs> I couldn't even move, so I was like okay um i'll try I'll try to stand up, I guess, but yeah, just seeing her like that was yeah definitely my favorite
0: that's great, and just what you talked about there, um you got people that were born and raised in America, mm-hmm. and they don't have a perspective a right. a world perspective, they just You know they'll find things that they can just try to be critical of about america and um naysay but then when you get someone else who comes from other country it's a perspective that the spoiled little american brat doesn't have Mm -hmm. and it it becomes like a reality check you know they they don't realize that what we have here in america is is really so special when you compare to other countries Mm -hmm. And you're, you know, what you have to say here on this and what's, and what's, um, what is possible in America? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I think it's maybe something that the media likes to do. They like to consider that they're able to build up, you know, something, and then it's their prerogative also to tear it down. And you see that a lot in at least some of the the mainstream Mm -hmm. media. They they try to find something and then just, uh, let's rip it. And... So it it builds a bit of a a jaundice view of what really is available in America. So I think listening to what your story there is is really important that people understand because the people listening to this podcast, it's about a hundred different countries around Mm -hmm. the world. And um, just speaking with uh, Max last night, Ermac, you know, from Turkey, Mm -hmm. you know, she said it was in a country where arts are not supported in the least you know, especially with a, a girl, um, it, was, it was such an honor and it, was, and it was so special to win this competition, what it means to her, but also what it means to other artists, aspiring artists in Turkey, or we had Mason Matak, who was the winner from Iran. You know, what it means there, he said, it, it's really hard as an artist to survive in, in Iran. So it is real that it's, it's not the same playing field, you know, from country to country. So I think your story is really important that people listening to this understand that one, you've got an outlet, a resource to be able to, to experience your art and, and share it with others who will just grant you the fact that you're an artist, no matter where you're from and want to support you. And that's something which the illustrators and the writers of future contests are really all about. You know, it was created by Owen Hubbard in 83, in 88, the, the illustrators contest started. We're like well over 800 winners now over those years. So it is something that when we see the illustrators from other countries, um, Sergei Poyarkov, he was a winner uh, 15, 20 years ago. The Iron Curtain had just collapsed. So we were able to get him out the, the month after that. And all you hear is the PR stuff that the PR machines come come out with, but... We loaned him his tie, his jacket, you know. Um, he spoke three words of English, but he it was so they were so broke. It was like the USSR just it stripped everything just for, you know, military was the primary thing that they invested in. But the actual person they were they had no money. You know, so when he won, he won this five thousand dollars. He's now just an amazing persona. You know, he's had his his um, galleries in, in UK and London and in New York. He's got a castle he built in Kiev, you know, he's just, he's an amazingly wonderful persona and his art is just, it's very uniquely um, Ukraine, Mm -hmm. you know, that that style there. And that's something that's just amazingly wonderful with what this competition can actually do. And so seeing what you've done here and and we see more and more styles of art, you know, because your art looks way different than uh, Irmax from Turkey, way different than what well, we've got, someone else from Portugal who won. We've got someone else from South Africa who won. You know, we've got from all over the world, the winners are happening more and more. And that's a lot having to do with what Echo is doing now. But it's just, it's so gratifying seeing this. So, now have you always been from Utah?
1: Uh, y- yes, my parents are from here, so from California. So I visited, I lived here for about 18 months when I was younger, um so yes, definitely from Utah, but I love to travel. I speak Spanish, I love to I've been to Mexico, we've been to Paris. I just love to travel and see other cultures and eat all the food. I love the food
0: <laughs> one thing is I, I bring it up about Utah because as a as a publisher, I really like going to Salt lake city fanenex um and Three of our judges are from Utah, and it's Brandon Sanderson, Orson Scott Card, and Dave Wolverton. Now Dave uh, Farland—they all taught at BYU, Brigham Young University, at one point. Now it's Brandon that's doing that, but the the uh, convention there that we attend, the the uh, Fanex, we sell more books than anywhere else because it's such a literate state. There's so many book readers and book lovers, and it's it's. It's a joy as a book publisher to go there to, uh, to, um, to basically to exhibit and to, and to meet writers. And we have more winners per capita from Utah than any other state in the uh, United States. Wow. Yeah. A
1: ton of writers. So many writers. So many conventions. Uh, I let Dave know that I've semi-stalked him for several conventions because there's just so many great ones that he goes to and that yeah. I've been able to attend.
0: Yeah, Lath Universe and everything is mm-hmm. almost fully um contained Writers of the Future winners finalist. Um it's just been you know, it, it's just really awesome with that. I went to uh when I first when I got Brandon on board as a judge, I went and spoke at the class at BYU. And I mean it was packed, you know, his class there and the following year one of the winners from Writers of the Future was one of his students there. But it's just it's just great. So I was just wondering, you know, is if it's the water, if it's the salt, or if it's... <laughs> it's probably the mountains. The mountains. Beautiful so mountains. beautiful mountains yeah. there. Yeah. So beautiful mountains. I Maybe visited the there. Lack of oxygen. Um,
2: I'd never been there before, and my, my layover was at Salt Lake City, in the airport there, you see all the mountains, yes. and I was like, holy yeah. cow. Never seen anything like that in my hiking, life. Hiking,
1: skiing, oh, it's amazing.
2: It's so it's gorgeous. I
0: wish I had more time, but I was stuck in the airport, yeah.
1: but it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Every time I go there, didn't this time, because it's still kind of like chilling out from the pandemic, but I always go up to park city every year. I I go there and do an early morning TV show on park city TV, um, which is the location. It was the location of the winter Olympics. And it's also where they have the, um, I'm just Sundance. Yeah. Sundance film festival there. It's very beautiful there, but it's, um, it's just, Utah's Utah rocks. It's, it's a beautiful <laughs> state. Beautiful state. So um, we only have like a few minutes left here. So, what do you plan like for your future now? As I like, say, you're freelance, but any particular dreams or, or aspirations you've got with freelance? Because obviously, you've met a lot of illustrators and instructors who are freelance, right? But um, they're not necessarily doing the same thing.
2: Um, no. So I think. Um, after this contest, I, I'm planning on continuing to be a f- freelance illustrator, but my dream and goal would be be able to work for bigger clients and now that my name is getting out there, hopefully um, I'll get more opportunities to f- freelance and um, one day I'll hope to move to a um, move, move to California because a lot of my work can um, pertain to a lot of the entertainment field in California, um, and to be able to work with the clients out here and mm-hmm. just be more connected with the com- the amazing community of artists here in in California is just astounding to think about, and um, I think that's where I want my
0: um, career as a freelance illustrator to go next. That's great. Yeah, and we've already got to know what your future is, but now my question is, what? advice would you have and i'm gearing us around the writers and illustrators of future contest. but what tips or advice do you have to the aspiring writer barbara
1: so don't give up i was close several times don't give up keep submitting keep writing because i had never expected to win a golden pen after being so close to just giving it up for not getting anything let alone a silver or honorable mention so keep going
0: so the honorable mentions made a difference
1: they helped, but yeah, I was getting a little frustrated. <laughs> what do I have to do to win? So, yeah, keep going, keep at it.
0: That's great. And in what about yourself? Advice to the aspiring illustrator artist. For me,
2: I I, I want to say to the illustrators
0: out there um, to really
2: reflect upon yourself as as an illustrator and kind of find what you love to illustrate, what you like to depict, because I think that really helped. Um, motivate me as an illustrator to always put a part of myself in every project that I get Um, put a part of what you like um, and try to incorporate that into all the art you make because that will only bring out um, the passion in you as an illustrator but more importantly it will show the passion within your work and everyone who views your work will view it as something that you put a lot of love into put a lot of effort into and um if you keep doing that, your work will improve upon, um, and you just keep going, it's just improving. And um, as long as you always care about what you make as an illustrator, and you always put all your, all your efforts into it, um, I think you'll succeed as an illustrator.
0: That's great advice. And absolutely, I, I wholeheartedly agree. You can't win what you never submit for. You know, definitely get recognized as a best-selling author or artist if you don't submit to be able to uh, get that that needed recognition. So I hope you both have amazing futures with you as as writers and illustrators. You're already obviously on the road here. Um, You are officially welcomed into the ranks of the professional. You've, You've had a whole week of the illustrator judges and writer judges. Hopefully, you know, making that, you know, very, very crystal clear that They treat you now as, you know, one of them. So well done and congratulations.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much, John.
0: And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Writers of the Future podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart, and Spotify. We've also been globally syndicated on the United Public Radio Network. Writers and illustrators of the future are contests created by L. Hubbard, to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you, Barbara and Anne.
1: Thank you. Thank
2: you.